failures. It's kind of a standalone message today. As you watch that video, you begin to see, wow, some incredible geniuses and people that have accomplished great feats in their life had failed. And this morning, we're going to look at failures in our life, failures in the scripture. I think one of the greatest failures that we'll look at a character in a minute, but I want you to look over at Matthew 26. Can you turn over there with me? In the 33rd through the 35th verse, as you set this up, Jesus' prediction that Peter would deny him three times comes to fulfillment, the culmination in his life. It says, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you that this night before the cock crows, you would deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. But Jesus, Jesus, I will never disown you. I will never deny you. You always read this passage around the holy season of Easter, around the passion of the Christ. And yet I thought it was a great section to bring out today as we think about failures in our own life because Peter in his mind was absolutely sure. He was confident beyond, I will not fail the Messiah. No way, not me. And yet, at the nearing end of the life of Jesus, Peter has a colossal failure. I mean, he bombs big time, like you and I. He flounders, he fails, he blows it. And here's good news. Jesus still loves him. And he instructs him later, says, Peter, you're going to build my church I'm going to give over the building of my church to you, Peter, a failure. And I got to thinking about failures. I got to think about failures in my life. Maybe you'll think about failures in your life. I didn't speak till I was five years old. I had a speech impediment. I had to have my tongue clipped. They didn't know as much as they know today about that, but I had to have my tongue clipped so people would come to our house, and I was extremely shy. I think I outgrew that. And I would crawl under the bed because I didn't want to have to have an encounter with people. They might make fun of the way I would talk. And at five years of age, they took me to the hospital one morning for an outpatient. I still remember going there in my little baseball pajamas. They clipped my tongue. I kicked the doctor in the face before they got me knocked out. And then afterwards, they took me to this house, and I flew out of the swing. I was so loaded up. It was crazy. And then I got to do speech classes for first couple of years of school to work on my language skills and how to enunciate and how to pronounce words and all those fun things. It, it was a lot of fun. So some would probably say, yeah, man, he, he was a failure. Well, you know, you fast forward that. I, I think I learned how to talk. I, th I think I got that one down. Not saying well, but I know how to talk. You know, I was looking at some different models there's models we could follow this. The presidential model, it's cover up and you conveniently forget. You can fill in the blank. There's the Jim and Tammy Baker model of the old. You might not remember who they were, maybe you do. You refuse to take the blame and you shed a lot of crocodile tears that you might get attention and focus. The celebrity model, they deny, they act indignant, they throw some money around, they take advantage of the free publicity, but they, they just cover it up. Then there's the Enron model, remember Enron? You just cook the books. You just make them look better than they really are. But it was really a colossal failure, but it, end, but it ended up being a tremendous success is the way they wanted you to read it until it all came down. And then there's the Judas Iscariot model. 
and you just give up. You head to despair and you hang yourself. None of these models are the models that I'm advocating this morning for you and me. I read this thing, I thought it was kind of good. It said, and God said if. If you never, listen to this, if you never felt pain, then how would you know that I'm a healer? Think about that. If you didn't have pain in your body, you wouldn't know Jesus is a healer. If you never went through difficulty, how would you know that I'm a deliverer? If you never had a trial, how would you know yourself that you're an overcomer in Christ? If you never felt sadness, how would you know that I'm a comforter, a good comforter? If you never made a mistake, how would you know that God is forgiving? If you were never in trouble, how would you know that I came to rescue? If you were never broken, how would you know that I came to make you whole? If you never had a problem, how would you know that I can solve them? If you never had any suffering, then how would you know I went through them? If you never went through the fire, then how would you become pure? If, if, if. If I gave you all these things, how would you appreciate them? If I never corrected you, how would you know that I loved you? And if I had all the power, then how would you learn to depend on me? If you had all the power. If your life was perfect, then why would you need me? And pause and consider the final line for a moment. If your life was perfect, if it was all together, why would you need him? But we're a mess, aren't we? Mm, not rhetorical. We're a mess, aren't we? We're either broken for him and broken in our mess, or we're miserable, broken or miserable and denying it and trying to fake everybody out. But they already know that we're broken. I'll fast forward to this. I was thinking about failures, as I told you earlier, a lot. And I thought, failures, failures. Boy, I know a lot about failures. I, I, I remember geometry in the 10th grade. I got my first F. <laughs> yeah, and I have it here to show you. No, I don't either. I was, a, I was about a B student and went to college, good B, and went to seminary, and then I got all A's, or, or about three-quarters A's, okay? I, I, I was a little more focused. But I remember getting that F in geometry, and it didn't go so well at my house. We'll just leave it at that, okay? And then I started thinking about other failures in my life, failing to do this, failing to do that. But then I thought about a huge failure. It ended up being the greatest thing that ever happened in my life. I was a 19-year-old at Troy University. Went there at 18 after high school. And I went off to get an education, so I thought. I went off to party to wear Greek letters on my chest, Delta Chi. I was proud of those. It meant instant popularity and success. And it brought a lot of it to me the first quarter. But academically, didn't do so well. Because I was extremely focused on the other things. Failure came to the end of the time and says, okay, now, you know, initiation, but Keith, you didn't make your grades because you were playing too hard. Failure, what? I'm not going to be the Greek goddess to this camp. I'm not going to be, what, 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 what? Failure. And I thought about it. I thought, well, I can be that transparent. Huge failure, huge. Because my whole life was wrapped around a little God called fraternity. I came home dejected. Failure. I got credit for those classes. That's about it. it. It really tanked my GPA starting out, and then I had to work like rip to get it up over the years. But here's why I tell you that story. That failure broke me. 
That failure took me to the end of myself, and I was miserable. And in my university dorm, Jesus came visiting one night, and he took me out of my failure, and it became my greatest success. I became a believer in Jesus Christ because of rejection and failure. I turned to Christ. And you see why I get excited about failure? That failure ended up being my platform to need a Savior. And he rescued me from myself because I was doing a great job of going wide open in the wrong direction. You're like, wow, I can't believe our pastor was so dumb. I can't believe he just so, so. Okay, well, you want to come share your story next weekend? And some of you have colossal failures, and some of you have little failures. But we all have failures. And I, and I kept thinking about failures, and I want you to see some quotes. Bill Gates, success is a lousy teacher. It makes smart people think they can't lose. So you see, failures are okay. Look at the next one. The greatest barrier to success is the fear of failure. You're just paralyzed. You're like, I can't do anything. Let's look at the third one. Failure is a detour, not a dead-end street. You just have to kind of go in another direction. You get readjusted. And the fourth one I like that Henry Ford, the great automotive guy, said, failure is simply the opportunity to begin again, this time more intelligently. And I thought about to begin again. That's grace, isn't it? Isn't grace to begin again? You golfers, there's a thing y'all tell me. It's called a mulligan. You do it again. It doesn't count. And that's what grace is. I love that song we did this morning. Grace on top of... How many want grace on top of grace this morning? Boy, I do. Like, Lord, I need it. And the longer you live, the more you have to deal with failure. That, that, that's what I know because it just continues to come. We, we fail simply because sometimes we're incapable of accomplishing a certain task. Like... If some of you came to me this morning and said, Pastor, I want to be an Olympic skier in the next Olympics. I'm like, have at it. Break a leg. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, you, you probably, there's nobody in this room probably got the ability to do that. Or if you're going to go do this, you're like, well, I don't have the capability. And, and that doesn't mean failure. It just means you weren't called to do that, that God's equipped you to do something else. Have you ever thought sometimes when you fail at something because God maybe wants you in another direction, he wants to open another door? But failure, you know what it does? Failure has the power to discourage us and to drive us down. And if that's not enough, then our friends in the world will just beat us down in failure because they think that's really cool. But I like what I wrote across the top. Message truth. You're ready to write it in. Jesus Christ looks at our failures and he wants to redeem them. There is the redemptive heart of God. I'm always trying to look for the redemptive heart of God in situations because that's gospel. I need my mess redeemed. And I believe you probably do. And so God looks at our failures and he goes, but I can take those ashes and I can turn them to beauty. I can, I can do something beautiful with that. But this morning, some of you have a backpack, if you will, and it's filled with grief and anger, resentment, disappointments, failures, uh, just failed friendships, relationships. And you know what you do? This, this is what's so crazy. The devil will get us into a point and we go to sleep with that backpack on our back, on our back every night. 
And we sleep with these failures. And we wake up with these failures. And my prayer today is that somebody's going to embrace grace. They're going to embrace Christ. And they're going to leave these regrets and these failures behind. And they're going to start a new journey with the Lord today. And that's, a, that's an awesome road. That's, that's the road less traveled. I, I just want to know. I, I don't want you to raise your hand. I just want you to see if you can identify. No, I do want you to raise your hand. Ever flunked a class? Okay, we're in God's house. I just wanted to make sure. All right, ever flunked a class? Ever get cut from a team? You ever failed or bombed an audition? You ever failed a job interview? Here's one everybody likes. Guys, you ever been rejected on a date? Ever bounced a check? Let, don't let it be Christ community, okay? Here. You, you ever caused a wreck? <laughs> Somebody's going to be important to somebody. You ever lost your cool? You ever had a... Re- you ever had relational or emotional uh, disaster and failures? Okay. Bunch of losers. Now, you see, what happened, basically, everybody raised their hand that was honest. Because we've all failed at something, and some of us are, like, really good at failures. You could go, hey, Mom, I majored in failure at university. Not good. But failures. We're all in the same boat. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says these words. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. A lot of times our pride, we go, I am so strong. I'm invincible. I'll never fail. Oh, really? There'll, there'll be an opportunity for you to bomb. And yet, this passage that we read out of Matthew and other accounts of the life of the apostle Peter, Jesus addresses him. He goes, first of all, he's Simon. Then he goes, Petros. He means, Peter, you're the rock. You're a tough guy, Peter. You're impulsive. Peter, you're loud. You have an opinion. But Rocky, I'm going to build my church upon you. And even the gates of hell shall not prevail. Because Rocky, you think failure defines you, but it doesn't. I define you. Somebody just needs to write in the notes today. Jesus defines who you are. Not the failures. I mean, the failures can mess you up. Let's fill in the first one. Peter, he owned his failure. He just took responsibility. And when you and I mess up, Instead of blaming the teacher, blaming our mom, b- blaming the dog, blaming everybody else, just go, you know what? i got to accept responsibility for this. I blew it. I wasn't prepared. In uh, 2675, Matthew 2675, listen to this. And then Peter, remember the word Jesus has spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And after that, he went away and he wept bitterly. What it tells me, Peter knew. I'm going to mess up. I blew it. I failed. I want to own my failure. But Jesus doesn't leave him in his failure. That's what I love about Jesus. In Proverbs 28, 13, there's a scripture, and it says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but he who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. That's, That's the news of communion this morning. You confess your sin to God and turn from it. You find mercy in your time of need. When you fail and you turn to God and you offer God your failure, God can give you a new start. All of us in here this morning, if we just broke up in small groups, and we won't because I don't want people to leave and freak out. 
But if we got in small groups of six, I bet there would be so many failure stories. It would be incredible. And there could even be some stories shared that nobody's ever even shared before. That's why it's good to have people in your life that you can speak in. But overcome the fact of failure. It's sometimes it's self-inflicted guilt. To fail is not to be a failure. Let me say that. To fail is not to be a failure. You can fail at something, but failure is not your middle name. You're saying, man, I know. I, I, I've been learning that. Or my mom, my dad tells me that. I, I believe it. But look here. Fill this in. I was wrong. You admit, I was wrong. Those are three hard words to say. I was wrong. And some of you are really good at saying you're wrong. And some people like, I have too much pride to tell anybody I'm wrong, but everybody knows I'm wrong, but I'm not going to admit to anybody that I'm wrong. I just want them to think that they were wrong for thinking I was wrong. Are you as confused as I am? You're just wrong. I was wrong. I mean, little kid. Now, what did you do? I disobeyed, Mommy. Uh-huh. And what did you do? I was wrong. I sinned. I blew it. I missed the mark. Okay. Well, we can begin again. Because we can make progress with that attitude. Now, if you're under not, we're not going to go very far. Look, look at the next one. This is a, a deep theologian is going to come up. Dr. Seuss. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You know what's crazy? Just leave it on the screen for a minute. Some people will memorize that and they won't memorize scripture. But Dr. Seuss had some pretty good advice here, didn't he? I mean, just think about it. Just look at it. Let it kind of just get in your mind for a minute. Like, yeah, you know, I can kind of walk in the directions that God leads me if I'm willing to follow him. I don't know. Just, just a thought. But a lot of times we go, yeah, but, yeah, but if I had done this, yeah, but had she done, said this, yeah, but had I done this, yeah, but, yeah, but, just write in your notes today, yeah, but, and circle it and draw an X through it. Yeah, but, nobody cares about yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, how, how many of you have said that lately? Yeah, but, okay, here's the thing, today when you say it, everybody raise your hand. Just, you're sitting at the, at the table today and somebody says, yeah, but, just raise your hand on them, okay, call them out. Everybody goes, oh, yeah, but, yeah, but. I mean, we just, we just do it. It's just human nature. It's not, it's not attractive, but we're broken. Look at the second one. Peter stays in the group. Here's Peter, this guy that blows it. He denies Jesus, but he does have enough sense to stay with the fishermen. He has enough sense to stay in the group, to stay in the fellowship. And I learned a principle here. We all need good friends. We all need people to hang around. And there's a scripture that goes with that, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 10. And the word just says, if one person falls, and we all do, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Because when you fall and you don't have anybody to pick you up, you're toast. You're being singled out. But man, when you can find a community of believers, that's why I'm so passionate about small groups around here. Because when you do life with other people, there's an opportunity to be redeemed, to be rescued, to have some people to walk with you, to help you where you fell. Oh, it's a great cause for the church. But some of you are like, no, I'm just going to hold my pack up with all the mess-ups in it. And I'm just going to sleep with them every night. And I'm going to wake up, I'm going to let them control me. Like, man, not good. And look at the third thing here. He dove in and he swam toward Jesus. You know, Jesus had been out there and he'd been telling them to come have breakfast. And earlier he told them to fish and cast a net on the other side. And they caught 
the translation says they caught 153 fish. They caught so many fish. Man, the nets were just crazy. But the whole thing was this fisherman, he moved toward Jesus. And in our failures, the greatest thing we can do is not avoid Jesus, not blame Jesus, not push Jesus away, is to run, to swim toward him. I would say we need to run to Jesus. Man, that's the only place I find comfort. It's the only place I find healing. It's definitely the only place I find forgiveness. It's the only place I find purpose. It's the only place I can find eternal joy. It's to run to Jesus. But you're saying, well, I'm too smart for that. You're not too smart. You're too dumb. But Peter, what does he do? He, He runs or he swims toward Jesus, and for us, I think we would run. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, I, I love this passage. It, it's so rich in language. But as you look at it, look what it says. Praise, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And now, now, we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance. Oh, I love that. An inheritance is kept from heaven for you. It is pure, it's undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And when I read that section, you have a birth here. One translation says, You've been given a new birth into a living hope, a hope that is full of potential and possibility in life. You're born into that. You have that kind of inheritance as a child of God. You said, that's where I want to run. I want to run to the one that has eternal life. I want to run to the one that can care for my soul. And that's what you do in a failure. But you're saying, well, failure, it's not fatal if we recognize that everyone fails. And this morning, it looks like everybody raised their hand. If they didn't, somebody was lying. And, and then we say, hey, you know, then you're a failure too. But th- at the end of the day, we all are failures. And we need to recognize that we're, nobody's perfect. There's only one that is pure and perfect, and it's Jesus. Failure is not fatal if we grow and learn from our, fa- from our mistakes. Learn. I mean, to not learn is just dumb. Okay, you, if you're risk doing anything new, you don't accomplish very much. And we were watching that video earlier. You see all these people that had failed miserably at many things, and they kept on. I mean, Michael Jordan, just think about it, guys. He got cut from his, was it his junior high or high school team, uh, Coach Davis? His JV team. Michael Jordan got cut from the basketball team. That coach was a... Yeah, I didn't want to say it out loud. He got cut. But I'm convinced because he got cut, he developed some skill, I think. (laughs) And he went on. You're like, man, how could somebody like that? Or so-and-so has this big voice, and you know they didn't even make their school play, and they kept working, and now they've got... You know, multi-platinum albums. You're like, well, I'm glad you didn't give up. And then people say, well, you're dumb. You're, you're slow. You're not going to make it. Thomas Edison. I love this. But the phrase here I don't like, but this is the language of the story I read. He was too stupid to learn anything. He was fired from his first two jobs. He was called being non-productive. <laughs> he made thousands of unsuccessful attempts in inventing the light bulb. And when a young reporter asked him how he felt, if he'd failed all those times, Edison's now famous reply was, I didn't fail 5,000 times. I discovered 5,000 ways it didn't work. 
How many of you are great for, for Thomas Edison and the light bulb? I can see you. We all are. And you can just go through story after story in history. You can look at Peter, the guy that just denies Jesus. He's just big time loser, failure. And Jesus goes, no, you're not a failure, Pete. Peter, you're my man. Put those failures behind you. Put that, because you see, we have an enemy. And he wants to get into our heads. And he wants to battle our souls and our minds. And he wants to make us feel like we're nobody and I like what Proverbs 24, 16 says. For though a righteous man may fall seven times, he rises again. Seven times is a lot of times to fall, and really it's an infinite number. Even though he falls seven times, he rises. So the word I would write in your notes today, rise up, believer. Rise up in the strength of Jesus Christ. Rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit. Rise up from your failure. Rise up from your disappointment. Rise up. You can do it again through the strength of Christ. How many believe that today? You can do it again. You're like, oh, no, man. I failed so many times. Oh, just get your little whiny self and go over in the corner and have a pity party. Just sit over there by yourself, over in that corner, all the way over there. I don't even want to see you. Just stay there. Or you can decide to come out of that corner and rise up in the power and the might of Christ and reclaim what he's given you. Oliver Goldsmith said, Our greatest glory is not in never failing, but it's in rising each time we fail. Every time you fail, Man, I, I could write a book on failures. It's like, man, I, I've just, man, I've bombed at a lot of stuff. I'm a failure. But I want to be faithful. I want to be a friend of Jesus. I want to walk with him. That's what I'm encouraging you to do. And all through John, just write down John 21, 15 through 18. I wish I had time just to read all this. But Jesus reinstates Peter, and he asks him to become a leader. And he says, and so when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, oh, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And he said to him, well, feed my lambs. And he said to him again and a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. You know that I love you. And then Jesus says, Peter, go feed my sheep pretty cool story jesus i love you i love you keith do you really love me uh, you know no. and he just kept driving that and i think we need to just come face to face with jesus and let him ask those questions joe bill susan beth whoever do you love me oh lord you know i love you for you have the words of eternal life no no do you really love me just let him do inventory in your heart you know failure is an event it's not a destiny failure is just an event when, when I failed at things that I failed at, they seem like my life. But it's just an event because it's not my destiny. My destiny is, is heaven. My destiny is a journey pursuing Christ. It's not the things that I've messed up. Failure doesn't mean that you've blown everything. It means that you have some hard lessons to learn. And in failure, I'm convinced, in failure we learn our greatest lessons. How many believe that today? See, if you always just succeeded, 
there's a great chance that pride and arrogance can come in. But when you fail sometimes along the way, you learn to depend on Christ. And you learn to not depend on yourself and try to pull yourself up and you look to him. And you look for grace and you say, Lord, I need more of what you've got. I'm not a permanent loser. Lord, I just want to know what the next step is. Show me the next step, Jesus. I want to follow you. Lord, you've not abandoned me. You've got a better plan. And Lord, I want your plan. I want your purpose for my life. And this morning, there's some people that need that kind of hope. You need to have some true grit. You need to be gritty. You need to, you need to be tenacious. You need to dig in there. You need to say, Christ, in your strength, I'm not a failure. Oh, I've, I've messed up. I, I'll give you that, Jesus. I, man, I've messed up a lot. But I'm not going to stay there. So you, you begin to develop an internal toughness in the spirit of Christ, and you begin to meditate on his word, and you begin to focus on his grace, and you run to him, and you begin to realize that you're accepted in what he's done and not what you've done. And you don't become performance-driven, but you become grace-driven. And Lord, you go, I want you to define me, and I want to run after you, because see, there's some people today, listen, listen, there's some people in here, you've been running after the approval of man way too long. I, I, I've been on that train. Oh, I've been on that train. I don't like it. See, Used to, in my early decades of ministry, everybody loved me. But somehow when I walked into the office of senior pastor, a lot of people don't like me and they tell me. And it'll mess you up when you're a little bit performance driven. You want everybody to have kumbaya moments. Yeah, I'm just being honest. But then when you find that I'm accepted in him, and I can't be controlled by the performance of what man says or doesn't say about me, and I go, what Christ says, then you're on your way to victory. And there's somebody today, I just feel in my spirit, somebody needs to hear that, because somebody in here today, you, just want, you want your mama's approval so bad you can't stand it. You want your daddy's approval, you want your uncle's approval, you want somebody's approval, and man, you'll just kiss, kiss, kiss. You'll kiss up, kiss up, kiss up, kiss up. You just want it, oh, I just want it. And Jesus is like, I want to validate you. Does that word speak to anybody this morning? Does that word encourage anybody today? Hello? You know what I've learned about addicts? They tell you that when they acknowledge their need for a power beyond themselves, and I think it's Christ, then and only then does healing and recovery and freedom begin. Not until they admit, I'm a failure. These prescription drugs, these drugs, this alcohol, this relationship, this toxic relationship, this, 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 whatever, just fill in the blank. It has had control of me long enough. And I need something greater than my sin. I need a Savior. And that's Jesus. I, I love that. The, uh, somebody, I don't know who said it originally, but it says, the greatness of a man is in direct proportion to the measure of their surrender. If you want to be great in the eyes of Jesus, it's all about surrender. So this morning I'm come to proclaim about failures and I'm thinking, God, there's probably some stuff this morning people need to surrender. And in that surrendering, they're going to walk out new. They're going to walk out with a new lease on life, with new strength. And Peter fails in the upper room, but then Jesus sends for Peter. See, Peter messes up big time, but man, Jesus doesn't chastise him and go, Peter, I'm done with you. I'm so glad Jesus didn't just tell me, Keith, man, you're, you're not worthy. And I'm not worthy. Worthy is the lamb. But he kept calling. He kept inviting me, invites you. But he doesn't write Peter off as a permanent failure. He, he doesn't put him in the biggest loser category. But he gives him a lot of grace. And this morning, I'm just thinking some people in here maybe need some grace, or maybe all of us need a lot of grace. I think we do. 
So the disciples, we pick on Peter, but the disciples were failures. Jesus told them to pray and they went to sleep. They were prayerless. They were prideful. They were a lot of things. So this morning, I think in our failure, it's, it's a platform, an opportunity to drive you and me to dependency on Jesus. So this morning, somewhere in your notes, you might even put that on there, in my failure, it drives me toward dependency on Christ. And I don't, I don't, I don't know what you failed at. Some of you in this room have failed a lot, and you know it, and, and people could turn to you and say, hey, you could turn to the people right now and say, give me my three failures. And they, they go, okay, no problem. You asked. No, they probably wouldn't do that. But in your heart, you know what your failure is. But man, don't, don't let it define you. Just, just keep going. Just keep moving. I love this. God's able to forget our past. How many of you love that, that God can forget our past? He can forgive our past. You know, Erwin Luther said he cast it into the deepest sea, and he says, no fishing for us to go there. Repeated failures. I, I don't know. Some of you are struggling this morning with that. And in John 21 and other passages, I just continue to see grace and mercy for those that will own their failures and bring them to Christ. But, you know, failure is sometimes like a slow leak. You know, you, you failed in the past, you fell a little bit, and, and, and just, just a little bit comes out, just a little air. Have you ever noticed you've got a slow leak? And, you, and your car, your tire didn't, your truck, your car, the tire didn't just go flat, it just kind of, and you know, it's starting to look a little weak, and then, you know, a little bit more, and, then, and you know, just over time, that's when you walk out, and somebody says, hey, I think your tire's low, it's on the rim, you know what I'm saying? And, and failures can do that, sometimes little failures or whatever in life, they, they, just, they just take a little bit of air out of us. And before long, man, we just sit over there in the proverbial ditch and we're like, man, I'm not going anywhere. I'm sunk. And my spiritual life, it's not headed in a good direction. And I think this morning, Christ is just saying, you know, I want you to bring those failures to me. I, I want to heal those. Because, Keith, you have an adversary. And he's out to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And all that will trust me. And the idea is that you know, all this stuff can fall out or you can just hold on to it, but I want you to, I want you to give it over. First, just write down 1 Peter 5, 8, great passage to go to. But Peter, when he was prideful, God wasn't doing much in his life, but when Peter owned it and realized that he needed the Messiah, that he needed Christ, man, God, use this guy to build the church. And it wasn't like in Matthew 26, 33, even if all fall away on account of you, I will never, I never will, Jesus. Peter basically says, Jesus, I'm better than all the other disciples. Not me. My name is Rocky. I won't fail you, Jesus. Jesus is like, oh, Peter. Oh, Peter. You're a mess. Peter, you're a screw-up. That's what it says in the Greek. No, it doesn't say that. Peter, you don't have it all together. And then when he denies him, three times, and that cock crows, Peter is utterly ashamed. He's embarrassed. He's humiliated. Not me! No, Jesus! Oh, yeah, you, Peter. So this morning, I'm just wondering if any of these texts or any of these illustrations or stories are pointing you to say, you know, I can identify with Peter. I like Peter. Peter's loud, rude, obnoxious, impetuous, prideful. That's not the things I like about him. That's who he is. But he's a leader, and he's a servant, and he agape is Jesus. He just loves God with all his heart. He, he goes for it. 
So he chooses to learn from the failure. And I'm wondering about us. Listen, listen to this. Here's, I, I, I did some study on this. I was so intrigued about failure. Max Locato. How many of you have read at least one Max Locato book? Raise your hand. Yeah, I mean, he's written a bunch of them. Listen to this. He's written over 50 Christian books. Recounts that he had sent his first manuscript to at least 15 publishers. Nobody wanted to publish Locato. He said, I didn't get discouraged enough to quit. However, every time I got the manuscript back, I thought, we'll just try another publisher. How many of you are glad that Max Locato found some loyal readers by the millions? How about Colonel Sanders, a committed Christian? He tried a number of unsuccessful business ventures. They bombed big time. At the age of 65, he decided his fried chicken with a secret blend of 11 herbs and spices. Man, I'm getting hungry. We got to go. Okay, here we go. He refused to give up in spite of 1,008 sales calls to restaurant owners that basically said, get out of here. Prospect number 1009 was the first to say yes. And Colonel Sanders and his faith took him from living off a $105 monthly pension to building a $285 billion company. A thousand and nine calls. You're saying, Keith, I've been to about 275 and that's all I'm going to do. Okay, you may, you may never achieve greatness. You may never achieve what Christ has for you. I, I could just give you person after person. The other one's Chuck Colson that used to be out here at Maxwell. He was a hatchet man in the Nixon administration. Brilliant mind. He was sitting out here at Maxwell, total failure, rejection. Everybody hated him. He'd gotten pushed out of the outside, and he was serving prison time right here in Montgomery. But Jesus had something else, and he didn't say, Chuck, you're a failure. He was born again. He went on to win the Templeton Prize, which is a million-dollar cash gift. He went on to start prison fellowship. This, he died a few years ago, but i got to tell you, Chuck Colson, he is one of my heroes. You ought to read the books he's written. Brilliant mind. But he wouldn't let that determine. So look down here at the bottom. Look look with me quickly. Your past does not define you, and your failures do not either. We're going to close on that because we're going to come with a great song this morning. I'm just wondering, some of you are just letting your failures define and say who you are, but they don't have to. I I found a psalm as I was preparing. I I love the psalmist. And in the 73rd chapter, 20, verse 26, Psalm 73, 26, write it down. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, and he's my portion forever. My flesh and my heart may fail, huh, oh, they will fail, but God is the strength of my life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are more than enough. And I'm inadequate, but you are sufficient. And Lord, I love you. I thank you for failures. Failures have helped define me. Failures have helped to define every one of us in this room if we're willing to admit that. And may we own those. And Father, I pray that we would walk out of here today renewed in spirit, by your spirit and strength, And we would run to you from our sin and we would realize as we sang last weekend, you are a good, good father. You are for us. You are not against us. And Father, I pray today you would speak hope over every failure in this room in Jesus' name. Every person that has a failure right now, I just invite you to give that to Jesus. Just give it to him right now. Just say, Jesus, 
this is my failure and I own it today. Renew me and give me freedom in your name. Today, if you want to talk more about a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm going to be in the back of the room. I'd love to invite you into this journey with Christ. If God is stirring in your heart and calling you to faith, to move from failure to faith, man, come see me in the back. But let's worship Christ together.